I've like collected a lot of taxidermy and furs in my time. And I'm like realizing how out of context they're going to be in the South and really concerned about come bringing a Tinder date home to just meet my wolf pelt on my couch. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe put some of that on your online dating profile. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> This is Frisky North of 60. I'm Mark Kelly. And I'm Karen McCall. We bring you stories, good and bad, about love and dating in the North. And it's not all bad. It's not all good either. Mark, have you ever been to Yellowknife? I have. It's a great place. I actually thought I could live there. It's a pretty funky spot. It's a super cool town, and it's beautiful. And I think it's underrated from everywhere else in the country. And if you're listening to this from anywhere else in the country, you're thinking, where is Yellowknife? Uh, and it's in the Northwest Territories. It is. It is Yellowknife is, is the capital of NWT, and White Horse is the capital of Yukon. But we mustn't forget that Akaluit is the capital of Nunavut, also north of 60. Yes, exactly. And we are actively searching for people to talk to there. That's true. Yeah. We are. Get in touch. Yeah, reach out. Isn't it weird that two of the northern capitals have colors in their name? Like as if it wasn't, and like a Y and a W. Like, I don't know. It's confusing. Is it like white knife or yellow horse? (laughs) And YT, is that Yukon territory or is that yellow? Yeah, because their YK is their short form for the city. It is confusing. So as much as we're kind of hard on people when they mix up the two, like if you haven't been to the two territories, you don't have an association and fair enough. But they are quite different. That's right. They are. And and honestly, if you uh, don't remember your grade nine geography class, uh, it's understandable. Exactly. That's part of the last time you you actually Well, you spend so much brain power learning all 50 states and uh, uh, capitals, and then it's like you got to remember the 13 provinces yeah, and territories, yeah. right? There is a bit of a the pink blob north of 60 mm-hmm. thing that happens in southern schools. I'm a, I'm a product of a southern school. So we live in Whitehorse. Um, yep. In the Yukon, in the YT. Yukon. <laughs> yes. Uh, we spoke to Sarah Frey in Yellowknife. She's lived in both uh, capitals, though. So she, in this episode, does a little comparison of life in the two capitals, but also dating, dating. in the two capitals. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and really goes into depth with the dating life uh, on float homes. Oh, my God. Houseboats. Oh, my right? gosh. Yeah. They're so great there. There is uh, Yellowknife kind of, it's got this, I don't know, grittier or kind of art kind of flavor to it compared to to white white horse is a little bit more sort of urban um yeah we've evolved that way in the last number of years and i think largely it has much to do with having a road and a proximity our, our southern connection is vancouver mm-hmm. versus Yellowknife's southern connection is edmonton mm-hmm. and edmonton also a great arts community uh, but it reflects that, in, I think, in the, in the way that they do things. And the price, the price of us to fly to mm-hmm. Vancouver is a lot cheaper, I think, than the price for them to fly to Edmonton or yeah. anywhere else in the South. I don't yeah. know what the current flight prices are, but I know that we can get down for well under $1,000 for a weekend. Oh, God, like half that. Yeah, Not half even. that. Yeah. And I think it's north of $1,000 to go to Edmonton for the weekend from Yellowknife. Okay, I just looked that up, and actually you can fly from Yellowknife to Edmonton Return for about 500 bucks. But it used to be a lot more expensive. Not as a big plug in Air North does not sponsor us, but we now have flights to and from Toronto and Ottawa via Yellowknife. Yeah. And so folks should come visit us here, exactly. and we'll go visit you there. You are welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you know that I once almost moved to Yellowknife? No. 
I was dating a man. I was living in the Northwest Territories, and I met a man who lived in Yellowknife, and um, I was seriously considering it. I Yellowknife doesn't have mountains, but it does have Canadian shield, like mm-hmm. lots of lakes, rolling rocks. It is uh, really beautiful in its own right. Ultimately, I did not make the move, and the relationship ended. But I sometimes wonder: Did I miss out by not not by not being with him, but not by spending a little bit of time in your life? A little more time yeah. there. Uh, what I love about that place is that it can be super romantic. It's got a um, because of the size of the lake. It has a real nautical feel to it. There are times where I would be eating fish down by the water, like at one of the restaurants on the water, and think. I guess as I got literally a fishing boat that looks like it's at a Halifax comes rolling past and but next to a float plane like an, a beaver mm-hmm. and I'm eating whitefish and I could easily have been on the east coast it's got that real mm-hmm. feel to it because well, uh, Yellowknife is on Great Slave Lake which mm-hmm. is one of the largest lakes in Canada that's right yeah yeah massive yeah so uh, you know for those dating there go to the waterfront have fish <laughs> go to the waterfront So let's introduce now Sarah. That's who I spoke to for this interview. She's a communications professional. She's into everything to do with feminism and music. So she lived in Whitehorse for five years, working at the Yukon Arts Centre, among other places. And then she moved to Yellowknife in the spring of 2019, where she worked for the Folk on the Rocks Music Festival. And today I'm talking to Sarah about what she noticed about dating in the two northern capitals. And of course, my first question for her was what prompted her move to the north? Yeah, I was working in federal politics, actually, and I was getting really like disillusioned with life. And so I had a really spontaneous decision to bring uh, just a hockey bag and a suitcase. And I arrived not really having any agenda or or like I think I had like fifteen hundred dollars in my bank account and just like was going to figure it out. Um, And I did figure it out. And like. Uh, really, it was kind of the same story of, well, yeah, I was going to come up for a, a summer and it turned into five years um, and had a really phenomenal time living in, in the Yukon. Uh, it was it was really transformative and it really built me, I think, into the person that I am and became. Um, but I had the opportunity to visit Yellowknife quite a bit while I was uh, while I was visiting there. And the way I kept describing it is that I was in a committed long-term relationship with Whitehorse, but I was a constant cheater and was was uh fooling around with this like dangerous sexy uh houseboat life of Yellowknife um and then eventually did the thing they say they'll never do and uh and left uh Whitehorse for Yellowknife I was I think I was just like had itchy feet but didn't want to leave the north yet Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, a, and it was a great call. I really, I really have loved my time in Yellowknife. It is, it's a phenomenal community and, uh, and it's like definitely, um, a little bit more DIY than Whitehorse is, uh, and a little bit more, there's a lot less, uh, arts funding specifically. So that's where you really see the difference of people just kind of like making things happen with, uh, two by fours and toothpaste and, right. um, yeah, so it's been a really great community to land in. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of people in Southern Canada, like Whitehorse and Yellowknife are kind of the same thing. Like they know that it's like some Northern capital, but they don't really have an association with it. So um, I guess, how would you describe the biggest differences between Whitehorse? Obviously, like Whitehorse is in the Yukon, Yellowknife's in the Northwest <laughs> Territories, um, but Yellowknife is on Great Slave Lake. And you mentioned like there's this houseboat culture. Maybe you can just tell us a bit about like the city of Yellowknife, which I just looked up is it's about population 20,000, probably just a bit over now. 
Yeah, yeah. And it like, it's the NWT too is about 50% of the population like lives in communities. So the culture of like all roads lead to Whitehorse is, is definitely not a thing in the NWT. Like um, Yellowknife is the capital, but um, definitely doesn't take that that same position that Whitehorse uh, does in the Yukon. But yeah, the, they're very different places. Um, and it's re it is really hard to describe. I get asked this a lot. Um, when I'm like in my like most bitter mood, I say uh, like White Horse is really into brand names and like versus everyone's gear in Yellowknife is from Canadian Tire and there's a bunch of tuck tape on it. Like that's like the, the, the quickest. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, there's also, you know, like the social breakdown. White Horse is, and I think also dictated by geography too, like White Horse is really segregated and there's lots of, pockets that are really based on activities and I think like Whitehorse feels like you know everyone but in Yellowknife you really know everyone like there is there's no cliques or groups it's truly like if you are between like 27 to 42 you are you are in the group and you run into the same people at the woodyard and you are like all going to the same events and it's truly an everyone knows everyone community. Um, and there's some real, real closeness to that. Like there's, there's the community vibe is strong, especially, especially in old town. Um, and in like the houseboat communities, like in the, in the falls folks will like get their boats beached and they'll have to like call in reinforcements. And so even us, us land losers will, will come down <laughs> and, and help, and help dislodge. Um, and so, and then, and then of course I'll have like a, a bunch of beers on Jolliffe after. Um, right. So yeah. Which is one like of, that's one of the islands, Jolliffe. Yeah. That's one of the okay. islands that all of the, uh, all of the houseboats that uh, live around in the bay. Yeah. Right. So for, yeah, houseboat cultures is something that, <clears throat> excuse me, like most of us are unfamiliar with, but in Yellowknife, it's like the cost of living is so expensive that a lot of people just ended up buying houseboats. Right. And then like, I guess, beaching them on just like around the shore of Yellowknife and kind of surrounding area. Yeah. Like they're all, they're all free floating to be okay. beached is, is not good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but it's, it's interesting. Cause like the great slave is uh, federal water versus like the land is territorial. So there's like this kind of jurisdictional loophole that mean that like folks can theoretically launch. There is like, there's definitely a culture there and, and like wanting to join the houseboat community you, you definitely want to like put in your relationships and, and, and have those friends because um, it is like frowned upon to just like launch in the bay. And certain spots are really, really windy. Like when you get further south near Dog Island, um, that's like, it can be tr quite a treacherous paddle from shore at certain times of the year. Um, but but yeah, it's, it's similar to kind of to the Yukon dry cabin life, uh, but it's just all out on the water, which uh, Eight months of the year is really easy because you can just walk home and it's right downtown. But um, right, walk home on like the frozen lake on the ice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but during the summer, um, getting to and from uh, like parties, even it can be like a little bit of a of a challenge. So having yeah. and that's I mean a big thing having having the boats, having the watercraft on hand to be able to like just socialize is also very much a Yellowknife thing. Right. And let, we'll come back to that. Cause I'd like, I know you've got some, uh, some stories about that that pertain to dating specifically, but um, first of all, maybe, can you just tell us like, like what is the dating scene like in, in Yellowknife, either in comparison to Whitehorse or, or just generally? 
Yeah, like it's, it is really similar in the sense that, um, like, and I've heard you say before, you know, like you don't lose your relationship, you just lose your turn. Like that's very, very true. Um, and it's really kind of an everybody knows everyone thing. And, um, and but I've, I've really found Yellowknife in particular, and I don't know whether it's, it's getting older, but it has been a challenge to date just because um, you're friends with everyone and they're good friendships and they're, um, you're either, you either work together um, in a, like in a nine to five capacity or a volunteer capacity, or like you're just really great adventure buddies and you don't necessarily want to jeopardize that um, and like getting through that awkward stages. So it has been really hard to like break through that. Oh, I think I am interested in so-and-so, but I'm not necessarily, there's so much to overcome to like get to that romantic kind of stage. You know, the, the thing about the North is that there's no such thing as a one night stand. And my first time visiting Yellowknife, I went to the snow castle, um, which is what oh, they build. Okay. Sorry, yeah, I was just like, a, we need to uh, explain what that is because it's pretty unique. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They build a um, a literal indoor castle where it has like an inside music venue on the ice every March. Um, and then it's a month long of music and events and dinners and like doing other great stuff. And so I had come in 2016 to just to visit and to check it out. It was my first time in Yellowknife. And I remember, but it was also like, ooh, new city, new people. And I saw this this man standing there in uh you know denim on denim with this like just looking like a east coast vision and I was uh under a bit of an influence I walked up and and talked to him and and we hit it off and, and he and we were sitting out by this bonfire happening on the ice which like the physics of still terrifies me to this day and <laughs> um and he's like do you want to come to a houseboat party I'm like heck yes I do so we go to this houseboat party I abandoned all my friends and had a great time, like met all of these really fantastic people. And then we ended up, uh, you know, going back to his place. And the next morning, the thing, the unfiltered thing I say, I said, you know what's really great about this is that I never have to see you again. And he goes, oh my God, you're right. Like, I don't have to run into you all the time. Like, we can just like have this great night. And we were both kind of like really hyped on, on uh, this realization that we like get to have this, uh, this like, mo- this, you know, we don't have to deal with all the like social everything uh and then and then immediately decided to become best friends and so probably spent like a year and a half having a monthly Skype chat and like he came to stay with me in Whitehorse for a few weeks to do like a canoe course and and like I'm very close with his like current partner and like he's like a very very good friend of mine uh that we often joke about like our really silly uh like meeting circumstance um but the rule remains true that there's no such thing as a one night stand in the north that sounds like a one night stand gone terribly well yeah (laughs) yeah it was was, yeah it was pretty it was pretty great Yeah, yeah Yeah, definitely a lot of considerations uh, when considering to hook up with somebody or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Do I want to run into them at uh, at the Black Knight or the, the, I mean, well, now I guess White Horse has like five different of the breweries. Like, yeah, that's really, we really have two bars that we go back and forth between three technically now, but uh, it's, it's, it's much smaller. It's much, yeah. much smaller. 
Right. It's fun sometimes. Like I really enjoy that side of the community. Mm -hmm. Um, I really like like, um, I'm not sure how familiar you are with like the landscape of Yellowknife, but like old town is down a hill and it's like really like one way in one way out kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, so going down that hill, I'm always seeing friends walking their dogs, walking back to their boats, walking to the brew pub. And you just, you run into people constantly. And I'm, I'm really going to miss that. I'm really going to miss kind of just like that casual closeness and constantly. Um, But then uh, there is, (laughs) like, I had a funny moment where it really became evident just how small Yellowknife is, is. I went for a drink with a friend um, who I didn't know super well, but who was also moving. And we just like met to chat moving logistics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess it was like, we were at the brew pub. And so uh, like the whispers got around town and I got asked if I was like dating this person. <laughs> I'm like, right. no, I went for one beer. Yeah. Is this the 1950s? Oh like, can we not be friends with uh, other people? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and it was like, it was very much in good faith. Like, I think like the friends yeah. were like really pumped to like see us together, but right. it was just like, oh my God, this town is small. So uh yeah. Ugh. Yeah. The goods and bads of that. Yellowknife. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The thing I really said a lot is that both Whitehorse and Yellowknife, like it makes for like, you really have to be the best version of yourself when it comes to dating, like whether it's like uh, you're choosing to reject someone or you're post breakup, like there's not really any space for um, wanting to like be a curmudgeon and unfortunately, you kind of have to do a deep dive into all of those like emotional maturity and communicate and make space and make space for forgiveness, too, which can be really difficult. I think like this is some a conversation I have sometimes with like my counselor who lives in Texas and and it, like will say actively like set these boundaries, like don't don't invite this person to to this thing. I'm like, I can't do that. Like. <laughs> You don't understand. <laughs> I, I have 104 mutual friends. Like I have to just kind of get over it. And yeah. So, um, but I mean, that being said, there is also, I think there's a real filter that happens with folks that choose to come North and there is a really spirit of, um, and the thing that I really admire and the things that I've had, like reflected in in the you know wonderful partners that I have had is this drive to just to do the, the thing like there's not as much people talking about oh I want to open this coffee shop or I want to I want to like take this trip like in Whitehorse and Yellowknife people are really motivated to to write the book to open the brewery to to do it and to live their their true lives and so that's always been really rewarding it's just like the people that I have had the the honor to date have been like very special in that way um, that I'm very nervous about uh, going on a date. And actually it was, I was joking. I'm going on a tangent now, but I was joking last night. I've like collected a lot of taxidermy and furs in my time. And I'm like realizing how out of context they're going to be in the South and really concerned about come bringing a Tinder date home to just meet my wolf pelt on my couch. <laughs> Maybe put some of that on your online dating profile. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Although Which, Manit- would be like, yeah. Yeah. Say, Manitoba mm-hmm. is, is the most Northern of the Southern. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll talk about you moving there um, later, but yeah, I think even there's like some f- like fur auction houses there I know in Manitoba, but 
but still, yeah, a little bit different. Um, you talked about, yeah, obviously like yellow knife, super close knit, like you're, yeah, you can't get away from your crushes or your exes really. And I understand you, you have some situations where you've been in professional, <laughs> you've had to work professionally with some people who maybe it was a little bit awkward because you'd just been dating recently. Yes. This was my, this is like my biggest, uh, just to like explain how close knit it is to folks like Southern friends is I was, um, dating someone fairly serious and, uh, we'd broke and he had broken up with me. Um, and it was really fresh and it was really like the feelings were, and our, uh, partnering organizations needed to come together to write a hundred thousand dollar grant. And so like there, I think it was like two, three weeks fresh out of breakup him and I had to meet to like write this grant strategy and get this down. Oh <laughs> and it was like, it was really ripping the bandaid. And it was, um, I think the, the buildup to having to like go forward with that was worse than actually doing it. It actually ended up being like really lovely and we got over our stuff pretty well and our, and our really like decent friends now and, uh, have a lot of like respect for him, but, uh, it was not, it was not comfortable. And I think I think also something that in probably in a Southern context, you probably could like articulate of like, I think there's a conflict of interest between me and this person, but like up here, it's like, we need the money. You need to do this. It's true. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. There's a bit more leniency with conflicts of interest because it's like, okay, well, I have a conflict of interest with like, you know, 50% of the people in this room right now or whatever. So yeah. Oh Oh, yeah. Maybe we'll, should we turn off the video for Oh, there it's okay again oh. now. Um, right. And so I guess, yeah, that's because I guess what you'd call exposure therapy is like being forced to, to confront <laughs> some, of, some of that stuff. Were you, did you actually, did you keep the meeting strictly professional or did you also kind of talk a little bit about just the awkwardness or whatever? Um, I think knowing like who I am, I think I like did it right off the bat and was just like, look, this is, you know, this is how I'm feeling about this. This is like my takeaway, you know? And I think I was also in the place where like, I wanted to get to the point of being friends. I just like mm-hmm. was still like feeling my feels um, and, and had articulated that. So, and he was very respectful of that. And, um, and, and we, and we got the grant, like we, okay, had, I was going to ask. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so we had like, you know, had a strong working relationship uh, after that, but I, uh, I'm definitely one who has, who struggles with, um, keeping, keeping things under, under wraps too. Like I tend to, Mm. to just like address the elephant in the room, uh, pretty consistently, which is, which is not always easy. Uh, when, when there's like four elephants in the room, (laughs) which one first? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So let's go back to uh, some houseboat discussion. I know um, I've been to Yellowknife. I have not been on a houseboat, but I've heard that there can be some pretty killer parties on these houseboats. And yeah, I think you have got a story about <laughs> some escape escape planning from uh, said parties. Yeah, when I've I've been really lucky that that has been like the friend group that I uh, that I fell into really quickly. And so, yeah, spending a lot of time on houseboats in the summer and the winter has been a big part of my, my yellow knife experience. And um, when I first moved here, uh, I have an ex in town that I had actually dated while I was still in Whitehorse and I hadn't seen him in, in a few years and was like quite, quite nervous about that and just hadn't. And I also like, you know, I hadn't had that exposure therapy, hadn't had the like, well, you gotta, 
be in the room with them kind of thing. And so I was on, I took a canoe uh, with a friend of mine to a friend's house boat and we were uh, just having drinks on the deck. Um, and then all of a sudden I see this canoe coming up and I'm like, oh no, are they coming to this boat? Oh, they are coming to this boat. Okay. And then had a thought process of like, how far is the swim to land? Like, like <laughs> this is my exit. Uh, and like, couldn't, couldn't like pull an excuse to like leave because I had arrived in a canoe with a friend of mine. And so she would need a, uh, like a way to get home. And she was clearly not ready to leave yet. Uh, so I really just kind of had to like, to suck it up and be uh, my best self and my kindest self. Um, but after that realized that I do want to pull an Irish goodbye <laughs> at my convenience, <laughs> which I'm, I'm the king of uh, in the houseboat parties. So I ended up buying a kayak so that I could zip away uh, when the need suited me, um, which has been fantastic. <laughs> Every independent woman in Yellowknife needs their own kayak so they can decide when to go and leave parties. <laughs> exactly. A hundred percent. Yeah. There's the like, you know, the party is getting uh, winding down and there's, you know, the mood changes and you're like, no, I'm not about this life. I'm going to go home. Goodbye. I don't have to, I don't have to wait. for. <laughs> That's so interesting though. Just such a different, like, okay. Carpooling is one thing, but just, yeah, the logistics of a boat and getting your PFD and paddles and like the parking and like, it's even making an Irish goodbye. Like you can't just scoot out the door. Like there's a bit of preparation involved, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And you, know, you just have to like find, cause often like all the boats will get tied up as like a fan across like the dock. So then you have to like find your boat, pull it in, move the other ones around you, get in, like unhook yourself from the dock. Like, and then if like this time of year too, it's like dark out and um, it's a whole, it's a whole thing, but you, uh, you get used to it. The houseboaters are pretty like, they're a pretty hardcore crowd. Um, like a friend of mine just told me the story of her partner moving in, canoed five boxes of books over with him, just like without any dry bags, nothing, just tossed wow. them in and paddled through the bay. <laughs> oh my god, so cool! Yeah. I hope I yeah. hope, hope I get to come back to Yellowknife and go on some houseboats at some point. That'd be really cool. <laughs> yeah, they're good. They're good folks. Um. And so we alluded to it a little bit earlier, but you are ready for a big move yourself or getting ready yeah. for a big move. Yeah. 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 I'm, uh, I'm heading down to Winnipeg. I'm leaving the North, which is um, very, very bittersweet. It's the definition of bittersweet. I'm unlike leaving Ottawa where I was like left in a huff and was very done with this town. I am not at all done with the North. I, I really, for a long time, saw myself um, living here long, like my, my whole life and, and, you know, having a career here. Um, but what it, and there's a, and I think there's a lot of, there's still a lot of professional opportunities. And I, and I definitely think that I would, you know, still have the opportunity to, to couple up, but as, you know, a single person right now, um, it's just not affordable. It's not, and I've, you know, been paying, high rents now for for however many years and after my I had a breakup in October where we were living together and I really really felt the um importance of being able to to own and to buy and to stand on my own two feet and have that security and stability that owning 
provides you. And, uh, and even at that time, this would have been like October, uh, 2020. Um, I think trailers in Yellowknife were like still at the 250, 350 mark. Mm-hmm. And, and now they're, there's, they're all at like 355. And wow. it's just, yeah. So it's even, I think the only thing that's in my price range would be a condo and where am I going to put my multiple boats and my dog and, and which is just not conducive to the like active Northern lifestyle, which is like a huge part of why I'm here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I looked, you know, before deciding on Winnipeg, I was really active on online and looking at Whitehorse properties too, thinking that maybe I'll come back to Whitehorse. Maybe I'll even like, you know, head out to the junction or something like that. But like, um, it just as a as a single person, it's um, it's not really an option anymore. And the idea of of you know making this huge financial and and security commitment uh, to someone that is you know based on the precipice of the, like of a relationship and that the potential of that falling apart is is absolutely terrifying. And but like you know it's one thing to like go through a breakup is traumatic enough, but then to lose your housing on top of that is just like, I think I'm still processing how profound an experience that is. So uh, Winnipeg is, is really the opportunity to, to buy and to buy well within my budget. And, you know, I got the government job and, and all of that. And so I'm, I'm hoping that it's going to check those boxes, even though it means giving up my community and, and the North. Yeah. That's a huge decision. Mm-hmm. Um, what's mm-hmm. like the situation for roommates in Yellowknife? Like, are you kind of over roommates or is it just also sort of tricky to find good housing as a, as a renter in that way? I mean, I personally, I'm personally over roommates. I, um, have just, I've done that kind of thing. And I, I kind of have just said never again, but many, many of my friends are still, um, doing the roommate thing and, and having great houses and great success with it. So that is very, very common, uh, here in Yellowknife, but it's just, I think like a friend of mine posted something that was a two bedroom for $2,800 yesterday. And it's, it's just gotten crazy. Like I was in a pretty sketchy building and I was paying 1600, uh, for a, for a one bedroom and right. at like, like, and it's, is that so plus anything, utilities? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. And so it's just like, I have some friends that have like, yeah, but I think the average room goes for like, nine hundred to a thousand dollars in yellow mm-hmm. knife mm-hmm. so you know it's just and that's really so that's as kind of as low as you get but then in terms of yeah of just being able to because that was that was the thing is like I wasn't asking really for the world it was wanting you know a one a small house you know maybe a place for an office and a, and a bedroom and like and a small yard for my dog and and a place to put my canoe and it's, um, and was really kind of like open to, we've got a ton of trailers in the community in like, especially near Cam Lake area. Um, but in the last year, they've just all skyrocketed in price and they suddenly were like completely out of my price range. So, yeah. Um, and I guess, I mean, you said you just turned, what was it? Aggressively 30. <laughs> you mentioned that in the pre-chat. Um, yeah. So you're feeling a bit like empowered by the decisions you're making at the moment, even though like this, uh, the cost of living in Yellowknife is unaffordable for a single person, but you're still feeling some optimism. 
Yeah, like, um, yeah, I'm calling it aggressively turning 30 because this has really all come together this this summer in terms of like getting the bank approval, getting getting the new job, and and uh, really planning out for uh, I'm um, for the future. But um, the thing about the North too is that I I think like I moved up with a really like naive understanding of of relationships and myself, um, and just assumed that I would be coupled at, at some point and it would just happen. And, and that's just how life works. Um, but then I also met a lot of these phenomenal women, especially that were in their thirties um, in the Yukon. And then, you know, have had the pleasure of meeting many, many more in Yellowknife. who are in their thirties who are single, who are, you know, in great careers, who are, you know, living their, really living their best lives, have usually like two to three dogs. Um, and, have like discovered that there is like so much joy and there is so much great stuff, like not being coupled and that that's really not the be all and end all. Mm-hmm. And, and that I think example of, cause we don't really, we don't see that reflected in media ever of just like in extremely happy single 30 something women. And so um, kind of having that being given that um, from the North really aiming to to take that forward in wherever I end up, whether it is coming back or whether I'm in Winnipeg now for the long haul. Um, I'm kind of looking at like relationship is a, would be a great opportunity and would be lovely, but it's kind of the, it's the icing on the cake. And like, I'm, I'm baking the cake myself kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you think, yeah, yeah. Single 30 something year old women aren't portrayed in the media. And also like, even with housing or society, like it's not really set up for like houses for single people, like, you know, it's like family housing. And again, that kind of leads into the affordability thing and just the ability to like live as a single person is, yeah, it is, it's challenging for sure. So you're pre-approved in Winnipeg. So you're ready to house shop when you uh, get down there. Yes, I'm driving all of my friends absolutely bonkers with all of my realtor.ca shares. They're like, we get it. Four bedrooms and oak hardwood floors and heritage <laughs> character. We stopped shoving this down our throats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it must be pretty yeah. exciting though compared to yeah, when you're when you're actually moving to somewhere more affordable. Yeah. Like I, I mean, a friend of mine just got married a couple weekends ago and, you know, so, um, they, I guess friends of theirs had built some floating saunas on the bay. So we were kind of like sauning and then jumping into the lake, uh, and the lights were out and it was, and then like, uh, you know, they had a few kegs from the brewery on boat and, and it was just, and I was kind of just sitting there being like, why am I giving this up? Like mm-hmm. what this like an incredible, evening of friends and community and love um and it's all very like DIY like um like you know those weren't saunas bought from floating saunas.ca and uh so there's it's it's really bittersweet um but uh but keeping some keeping some optimism that um uh you know once once I achieve those things that I I think I really like need in my aggressively 30 minute <laughs> mindset right now uh, that'll be a lot of freedom to like explore, like what's next after that. Yeah. And a lot of people leave the North and come back. So that's always an option. Yeah. This has been like the through line of like, you'll be back, Frey. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. 
but um but yeah no it's funny and then I think it's it's just so funny how fast it happened too because I was renting a three-bedroom house in Riverdale for fourteen hundred dollars and I remember thinking like these prices are astronomical and and now I'm like oh my god right what right did I have to complain right yeah. of course that that was in Whitehorse so yeah yeah it's uh, yeah. it's gotten pricier in Whitehorse but definitely more expensive in Yellowknife I think so yeah well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to speak with us and fill us in about the, the dating world in Yellowknife. And I wish you all the best on your move to Winnipeg. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been a, a real uh, pleasure to reflect and soak up all these nostalgic thoughts <laughs> before I head down. This episode was recorded in and around Whitehorse Yukon. Sometimes we use the podcast studio at Uconstruct. And sometimes I record in my closet. Our music is by Anthony Vega, Sexy Time. Thanks for listening in. We would love to hear from you with story ideas or feedback. Get in touch through Facebook, the Twitter, or email us at friskynorthof60 at gmail.com. That's friskynorthof with the number 60 at gmail.com. We'd also love to get a rating, preferably four stars or above, from whatever podcast app you are using. Thanks very much, everybody. Stay frisky. Stay frisky. <laughs>